You're listening to the internet. Elephants walk into a bar. One of the elephants goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, could I have a pint of your finest whatever elephants drink, please? And the man behind the bar says, Certainly, sir. Now, the last elephant we had in here, if I remember rightly, was around six or seven episodes ago, I think. Was it? Yes, I think so. Was it during the one? It was either the one that had the giraffe in it or the one from... Oh, no, it was the one a couple of weeks before the giraffe one. We had an elephant in here, I think. And uh, what was it doing? It was doing something interesting, if I remember rightly. Uh, taking up half the bar for a start. But there was also... Oh, there was some other stuff about it. And then we had the giraffe in talking about it a couple of weeks later. Finding some continuity in this podcast is, isn't it great? Anyway, uh, what do elephants drink? I can't remember what. To be perfectly honest, I can't remember what elephants drink, sir. And if I did, I would still uh, be bound by confidentiality. At least, not by the... There's no laws regarding elephant confidentiality. But if I had elephants in here whose orders I, w- I remembered, I would bound myself to my own personal standards of confidentiality in the matter and I would not tell you what they had and the elephant says that's fine that's fine it's a good job you don't tell me anyway what the other elephant has because elephants never forget I'll be stuck with that data for the rest of my life I'll be feeling under pressure not to tell anyone that I had it but I wouldn't be able to forget it I wouldn't be able to forget it because as you know elephants can't forget you show us something and it's indelved on our Oh, it's delved on the surface of our eyeballs for the rest of our life. We just can't forget it. Now, of course, that's just if it's visual information. If it's audio information, it's crammed. It's basically stuck like a like a bit of plasticine or something sticky. It's stuck to the, the hairs in our earlobes or somewhere or inside our ear canals. It builds up quite a lot, I can tell you. It becomes problematic later in life for an elephant if there's a lot of data stuck in its ears. That's a problem too. And then, of course, there's written information. Now, that's easier for us to forget because we can't read it in the first place. You could give me a whole ream of written information about every elephant who has ever been in this bar and what they had to drink. And I would not be in any danger of losing their confidentiality to me because I wouldn't be able to read the fucking thing. Can't read. Can't even. I can't even write write either. I can't even string a sentence together. I'm an elephant. That's all I can tell you. Unfortunately, it leaves us none the wiser as to what an elephant drinks in a bar. Uh, so how are you going to help me with that, I wonder? And the man behind the bar says, I've been wondering that myself, elephant. I suppose I could try giving you a pint of whatever humans have. That's what we do with the cats and the dogs in here. And that giraffe a few weeks ago. I think it had a pint of Guinness or something, did it? I think so. There was a whole big rigmarole about the draft for us. Always claiming to be no height at all. And it started to try to argue that the way to measure height in any animal is by the same way you measure a table's height. You measure from the top of the legs to the bottom of the legs. And that's how high up the animal is off the ground. So that counts as its height. I got a bit silly, I can tell you. Uh, and tell you, you haven't heard many giraffes on the podcast since then. We've been get, staying well away from them, steering well clear of the draft. It's quite easy to do because they don't take up a lot of space uh, width-wise or breath-wise. They're just very tall. I suppose that's sufficient. They have a relatively small footprint compared to one of you elephants anyway. Isn't that right? Ho, 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 ho. And the elephant says, excuse me, are you saying that I have big feet? And the man behind the bar says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying your footprint from the point of view is how much ground space you take up in total. I don't mean the size of your actual footprint. No, no, that would be ridiculous. The footprint in terms of how much space on the ground you take up in total or how much space 
space you cover, that doesn't necessarily mean that your feet are taking up all that space. Just how much space is underneath you. It's like the opposite of airspace. If I said, how much airspace is there above you? And you said, oh, there's two feet by six feet. Well, of course, that's not counting the height of the airspace. That's the breadth and width of the airspace. But it's like that for, for what do you call it? Ah, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. And the elephant says, I believe I don't know, sir. Now, can I have a pint of your finest Guinness, please? I believe that's the usual order in here. And the man behind the bar says, certainly, sir. Uh, what would you like with it? Some peanuts? And the elephant says, what in the name of Christ is that supposed to mean? And the barman says, supposed to mean, would you like a packet of peanuts? It's a dry snack that people like to have with their first drink sometimes. It's also a dry snack that barmen like people to have with their first drink sometimes because it makes them ravenously thirsty. Oh, you might as well be drinking a bit of water out of the sea. Except that peanuts have the added advantage of not filling you up with liquids. Uh, so there is that as well. I think what I might start doing is grinding down the peanuts into a fine paste. And then maybe putting them into... Because I turned them into some sort of espresso beans. And then I start offering everyone a free espresso. Or a free, uh, a free espresso. I wouldn't even have to put any water in the espresso if I grind the paste down enough and then, uh, oh, if I could make it to where it's almost like liquid, then they could just drink the paste. I'll heat it up a little bit so it seems like a very thick espresso and they'll drink that and that'll get them started for the day. And the elephant says, would that espresso made out of peanuts not be very salty? And the man behind the bar says, I certainly hope so. That's kind of the point. It would make the, the salt is to make them thirsty. And the elephant says, yes, but would the salt also make them go, this espresso is fucking disgusting and gross and salty. I'm not drinking it. And the man behind the bar says, well, you see, that's the advantage of the espresso. By the time you've taken one sip, and realise that you don't want to drink anymore, the whole espresso is gone. Because an espresso is like a, a thimble of coffee. You get, if you could put in a thimble and put the thimble down your gullet, uh, once you have a little tiny taste of it, that's it, it's gone. There's no such thing as a sampler for an espresso. You just taste it and then it's gone. And the elephant says, and then presumably they beat the shit out of you. Is that right? And the man behind the bar says, no, no, not at all, uh, Mr. Elephant. We have a very calm, respectable clientele in here. They don't go around beating the shit out of anybody. Do you go around beating the shit out of anybody, elephant? And the elephant says, no, I find I don't generally have to, because uh, I go into places that have a nice, calm clientele. It doesn't go around beating the shit out of elephants either. And the man behind the bar says, that's great. Good for you. Isn't that great? Isn't that absolutely fantastic for you? It must be great to be. It must be great to be an elephant. Seriously though, joking apart, it must be great to be an elephant. Uh, walking around here with your trunk and your legs and your tail. Do people ever get your tail and your trunk confused? Tell me that. Do they get? Do they go? Oh, wait a minute. Is that his trunk or is that his tail? I don't know which end of this thing I'm supposed to be talking into. And the elephant says, "Well, if you have a look at my tail here, sir, you'll notice it's a lot thinner than my trunk. In fact, if you could make my trunk come around to my tail, you'll find that you could cram the tail inside the trunk quite snugly if you could make it all fit. Of course, you'd have to detach either the trunk from the front of my head or detach the tail from the back of my posterior in order to get the whole thing in. See, you wouldn't do that. But no, in theory, you could fit my tail very snugly inside my inside my trunk. At least I assume so. I'll never be able to try it. Oh, it's not like you can do... You're not allowed to experiment on your body like that around here. No, no, no. They always love going on about my body, my choice. If an elephant comes around and says, hello, can someone please chop my tail off so I can cram it up my trunk? I want to see if it'll fit. It's something I've been thinking about all my life and I can't want to get it out of my system. They'll say, no, no, no. You can't be doing that. You can't be harming yourself like that. You can't be asking some plastic surgeon to do it for you either, because you're an animal. If you were a human, we could do that for you, because you could agree to that. But an animal can't consent that sort of thing, because you're just a fucking animal. You're a fucking animal. You can't consent to stuff like that. Ah, so we have to protect you by saying, no, no, do not take that elephant's tail off and cram it up its trunk, no matter how much it pleads with you to do so. So no, unfortunately, we can't do that. 
And the man behind the bar says, oh, that's that's a shame. That's a shame. Would you like me to do it for you? And the elephant says, I beg your pardon. And the barman says, would you like me to chop your tail off and cram it up your trunk for you? Uh, or the other one, whichever you prefer. Maybe you'd prefer me to chop your trunk off and then cram your tail into it. And actually, if you took it that way, and you took your trunk off, put your tail up it, then we could probably see if the tail could come out the other end of the trunk. And we could turn it into a measuring contest as well, on top of everything else. Although I suppose the measuring could be done without any surgery at all. I suppose it's quite easy to measure an elephant's trunk and its tail and then compare the measurements by comparing both items to something else that can be removed, such as a measuring tape. No, that would be overkill. But no, if you like, I'd be quite happy to chop your tail off or chop your trunk off, uh, cram the tail inside your trunk just to see what it's like, see if it's nice and snug. What's your trunk for anyway, if you don't mind me asking? And uh, the elephant says, my trunk, my trunk is for, I suppose that's a good question if you're an idiot and don't know what an elephant's trunk is for. My trunk is for... uh, I don't know, to be perfectly honest. I don't know what it's for. I think it's an extension of my nose. Does that sound right? I'm not sure. Do I have a separate nose underneath it or behind it? Oh, wait, that can't be right, because don't I suck up water into it as well? You don't want to be sucking water up into your nose. So, no, it's not a nose. But it's also not for drinking, too, I don't think. Because don't I gather up the... Don't I gather up the water in the trunk and then kind of squirt it from my trunk into my mouth? I think that's what I do. Never really observed myself very much because I don't go around filming myself doing it. And I kind of do everything on autopilot. I know that might seem strange to you that I, an elephant, am not entirely sure how I operate my trunk. Well, it's not like I go around looking in a mirror at myself all the time and taking selfies. No, no. I do everything pretty much on autopilot, just like you humans do. I remember uh, me, the narrator now, I remember as a child, many times when I was three or four years old, I used to, oh, I used to be trying to remember how my face was arranged. I used to get confused and think, is my nose higher up than my eyes? Is my mouth up right there and is my eyes down there? And how does that work? And for some reason, I'd get confused about that. Uh, and the elephant says, why is the narrator interjecting in this with that crap, that meaningless drivel, that drivel that... Uh, not only does it make him sound ridiculous, it brings us all down with him because we're we're his creations. And if he's that thick and stupid, then that means I, his creation, am that thick and stupid too because he's created me in his brain. And the barman says, I have to say I do agree with that, uh, Mr. Elephant. I wish he wouldn't do that. I wish he wouldn't do that. But I think it's because he, he's enjoying this whole elephant interchange here. And he just wants to get he just wants to get involved. And to be fair, it is his story. He's entitled to get involved in it. Why not? Why not, indeed? And the elephant says, I'll tell you why not. That's like when Quentin Tarantino insists on playing parts in every fucking film he's in. You can't watch an episode of the Reservoir Dog Fiction now without seeing Quentin Tarantino playing a... Ah, playing a fella sweeping the floor in the toilets or something and watching something going on between your man, the other fella, and the other fella who's in it. And the barman says, wait a minute, isn't Quentin Tarantino one of the main characters in Reservoir Dogs, though? Doesn't he play one of the main characters? And the elephant says, oh yeah, that's right. Can you call it main character, though? Because that wasn't really a film at all. It was just a little play in a shed. Barely a movie at all. It was just some men walking in and out of a warehouse, taking things out of the car and putting them in the boot, and taking things out of the boot and putting them in the car. And the man behind the bar says, wait a minute, taking them out of the booth and putting them into the car. The elephant says, yes, they take them out of the booth of the car and then put them in the main part of the car, which is separate from the booth. Just like if you take something out of your coal cellar at the back of your house, you can bring it into the house. It's it's like a separate outhouse, even though it's attached to the building. It's a bit like back in the old days, they used to have outdoor toilets. Society didn't trust itself with the ability to build hygienically safe indoor toilets. They used to have backdoor toilets, but a lot of the time in later years, the toilet was attached to the house building. It was just, you'd go out the back door of your house, and then there'd be another door that goes back into the house, but it just goes into the little toilet there, so it was like a separate 
It's compartmentalized, but it's still technically part of the building structure. The barman says, oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting indeed. Uh, oh, that's interesting too. And the elephant says, were you just looking to see how long you'd been recording for? And the barman says, uh, no, not exactly. I was checking to see if we were recording, because that would have been rather annoying, especially now that there's 16 minutes of this on tape. It would be very, 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 very annoying, and frankly, rather upsetting if we... If I found out that we hadn't been recording and the elephant says, do you not have a screen suspended right in front of your face so you can see, you can see the thing moving? And the man behind the bar says, uh, how many times do I have to explain to you, sir? I'm vision impaired. I can't see the screen very well and I'm sitting back away from it so I'm not breathing into the microphone like this. Every time I look at the screen, I'm trying to be considerate and not be doing this all the time. I'm going in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. Because that would be rather upsetting. Uh, not only for the listener, but for the person who has to edit this. Uh, who essentially is me. I mean, I know I'm the barman in his mind, but it's essentially me. I have to listen to this tripe, spend half a half the fucking week editing it to make it barely listenable. And it's bad enough. He makes all these noises with his missing teeth now. He doesn't seem to know what he's doing anymore. He just sits there, just sits there yapping for an hour. And then he says, oh, let's turn this into a thing that I expect other people to listen to. And the elephant says, I think you've gone off track here. We were talking about reservoir dogs and I thought it was quite an interesting topic. Why do you have to turn it into that? And the barman says, no, I don't know either. I don't know either. And the elephant says, is my pint of Guinness almost ready? And the elephant says, did you order a pint of Guinness? I don't even remember, sir. But if you did, I presume it's nearly ready. What's it being 16 minutes? Oh, it's bound to be nearly ready by now. Let's have a look. Well, I do see that there's a three quarters full pint of Guinness here now. So I'll just top it off with a bit more Guinness, as is the tradition. And then now it's ready, sir. It's ready now. Here you go. Nice, lovely pint of Guinness to cram up your trunk or wherever you put. Have you? Are you going to be all self-conscious now, thinking about how you drink this Guinness? You don't usually think about her while you're while you're doing stuff, I presume. And the elephant says, "Indeed, I am. Indeed, I am. I'm thinking about it now. I've no idea how to do. This is like when you're learning to touch type." And then one day decide, oh, I'm going to watch myself typing. I'm going to watch my fingers dancing up and down the keys. Because I like watching myself touch typing. It's very impressive. I go, oh, look what my fingers have learned to do. But then because I'm watching it, I'm self-conscious and now I'm forgetting how to type. So it's exactly the same as that, as me, as an elephant, when I try to think about how I drink a pint of Guinness. Do I lift it up with my tongue? Do I stick my tongue in it? Do I dip my tail in this and shove it into my trunk? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm not going to be able to enjoy this Guinness until such time as I can stop myself from thinking too much about it. And normally the way I stop myself thinking too much about stuff is by drinking several pints of Guinness. So there's quite a quandary here now. So quite a quagmire. What's the word for? What's that word for? Oh, I don't know that thing where you're thinking in circles. Uh, oh no, it's quite a quite a problem, isn't it? And the barman says, indeed it is, indeed it is. Would you like me to give you a head start? Maybe I could pour some Guinness into your mouth or something. And the elephant says, now are you quite sure that's where it goes though? Because I'm not. And the barman says, well I assume it is. I've seen other people in here. How about, ah, here we go. How about you try having a, try having espresso first and see what happens with that and the elephant says hold on a minute i came in here earlier i think i've just remembered unless it was from an earlier discarded segment i'm pretty sure i came in here and asked for a glass of your finest caffeine free coca-cola which would make it very clear that i won't want to be having caffeine and now you're suggesting i have an espresso and the man behind the bar says it's okay sir it's a caffeine free espresso doesn't even have any coffee in it. It's just made of peanuts. Basically peanuts. And you're an elephant. You eat peanuts, don't you? Or are you going to tell me that's something you don't do now? That you're going to tell me elephants don't eat peanuts? What do they do? They just suck them. 
It just suck on them like they're whatever the equivalent of chewing gum, except you prefer to suck things than chew them. So you suck on a peanut all day. I suppose it makes sense. I presume after half an hour or so it loses all its saltiness and then you're just sucking on the bland, blank peanut. It tastes so bland you forget it's even there. Probably helps you, helps to stop you from taking up smoking or something. That's now that I think of it, I've never seen an elephant smoking. Have you ever seen an elephant smoking elephant? Oh, don't answer that, you're going to say now. I've never seen an elephant smoking, but I don't go around looking at myself in mirrors, so it may well be that I'm a smoker, but I don't see myself, so I don't know, so I've no way of knowing. That's what you're going to say, isn't it? And the elephant says, no, that's not what I was going to say at all. Uh, I didn't. In fact, I didn't even have a plan as to what I was going to say. Uh, what else would I say, though? I don't know. I don't know. How would I know what I'm going to say? I don't know what I'm going to say now, because I'm thinking about it too much. Sitting here, an elephant, thinking, Oh, what would I say if he asked me what I do? With whatever that question was. But now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking too much about it. I'm thinking, how would I answer this question? And I'm watching myself trying to answer the question, and now it's like, oh, it's the same as the touch typing thing. It's just... Oh, it just doesn't work. Might as well just give up. I hope I'm not going to need a piss this evening, because that's not that's going to get a bit complicated too. If I go in there, I'm going to be overthinking everything, and then I just won't remember how to do it. And the man behind the bar says, Oh, that comes naturally enough, sir. I wouldn't worry about it. Wouldn't worry about it at all. If it needs to come, it'll come. And the elephant says, I see. And is it okay if I'm just sitting here then when I come? And the man behind the bar says, No, it certainly isn't. Make damn sure you're in a taxi by the time it comes. And the elephant says, Fair enough. Can someone please call me a taxi? And the man behind the bar says, You're a taxi, sir. And the elephant says, Oh, oh, oh that's very witty. Very, 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 very witty. Have you considered starting a podcast? And the man behind the bar says, Oh, I already have a podcast, sir. I have a podcast. It's all about life as a barman. It's called A Barman's Life, uh, hosted by uh, Barman, Barman, Barman. I just call myself Barman, Barman, because I prefer to be anonymous in these things. I don't like this idea of giving out your name on a podcast to every fucking lunatic you listening. So I just say, I'm Barman, Barman. Now, I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, uh, I don't, you're thinking... You're not really thinking anything. You're not thinking anything. It's all just... Oh, it's all just stuff. It's all just muscle memory. And the elephant says, I think you, I think you lost your train of thought there, Mr. Barman. Uh, Mr. Barman says, indeed I did. Indeed I did. And a great night is had by all. So anyway, then the, the fella in Quentin Tarantino script sits down and says, Hello, says to the waiter, Hello, can I have one of your quarter pounders with French potato chips, please? And the waiter says, Certainly, young man. And then the, the dialogue fella says to the other fella, Am I allowed to talk to you as well? Because then there's three of us talking, that makes it a trialogue. And the other fella says, No, oh, well, the waiter is going to go away in a minute, and then there'll be just the two of us, so it'll be fine. And then person number one says, Oh, that's good. Well, thank you very much, waiter. Off you go. So, and the other fella says, Wait, I haven't ordered yet. And person number one says, Oh, I do beg your pardon. Please go ahead and order. And uh, Person number two says, I'll have a quarter pound of fries and a, oh, a French-style beef sandwich, whatever that may be. I presume it's some sort of, presume it has onions on it or some other stereotypical nonsense. The heavy one's going to find hilarious. I don't know. And the waiter says, Certainly, sir. Do you like anything to drink? And person number one says, Oh, I forgot to order something to drink. It's a good job you didn't listen to me when I sent you away, because it wasn't finished yet. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, I'll have a I'll have a caffeine-free diet Coca-Cola, please. And uh, person number two says, Oh, I'll have a I'll have a decaf espresso made with salty peanuts, please. And have a have a hang the form of a pill. 
that I can just swallow in one go so that I'm not tempted to suck it and keep sucking until it becomes so bland that I end up sucking it all day and boring myself to death. Because I don't want that happening, especially when I'm supposed to be in a blockbuster movie. Trying to keep things interesting here and the last thing you want in the movie script is ending up with a bland thing that you're sucking on all day. And the waiter says, certainly sir, will that be all? And the first fella says, well we might have some dessert later, we'll see. Do we have to decide now? And the waiter says, no of course not, of course not. Uh, I'm just saying, well I'm just saying, would you like anything else just in case? And person number two says, I might like something else, but we'll see how we get on with what we're getting now first. Because you can't just buy the whole fucking menu. We're not made of money here. Well, we are, because we've just robbed a bank or something. But we don't want to... We want to be discreet about that. You don't want people knowing that we can afford the whole menu. Especially since we've got the money dishonestly. And the waiter says, certainly, sir. And then the waiter goes away. And then the other fella says, well, why did you say that? Why would you say something like that? And the other fella says, I thought it would make good dialogue. Did you not think it made interesting dialogue, me saying that? And the other fella says, no, because now it might have made an interesting monologue. But now, listen to this dialogue we're having now. It's just me going, why would you say that? And you going, I thought it would be interesting. And me going, oh, well, it might have been interesting if you weren't having to explain to me why you thought it was interesting. And then with some nonsense about a quarter pounder and the other fella says, oh, it's quarter pounder. Is that the thing they have in France with the chips? And the other fella says, no, they don't call them chips in France. They call them French fries. In other words, they call them fries, which is exactly what they call them here in America. Why? Why everybody for the whole of the 1990s thought that was an interesting thing to say in the movie? I have no idea. Maybe adding French fries made it interesting. I don't know. And the other fella says, do you know what they call Diet Coca-Cola over there? And the first fella says, I think they just call it Diet Coke, do they? And the other fella says, no, for a long time in some European countries, they used to market Diet Coke as Coke Light. Uh, Coke Light, that's what they called it. And then in some countries, they called it Tab. And then in some other countries, they call it something else. And then in some other countries, they have Coke Zero. And then some other countries, they call it Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. And then in some other countries, they have crap. They have absolute pure crap. Like, for example, well, I was in Cape Town once and we tried one of the breakfasts and it was absolutely pure, unmitigated crap. And then the other fellow will say, what in the name of Christ were you doing in Cape Town? And the other fellow will say, we were robbing a bank. I was robbing a bank. Uh, now, if I say robbing a bank, we were robbing the building brick by brick. We were taking a, we, it's a very old building. I used to house the prison that housed Nelson Mandela, but it had turned into a bank, not a very successful one. And we were robbing the building brick by brick. At least we were trying to. Uh, I was on Robin Island, as you know, which is where they kept Nelson Mandela in prison. Uh, we thought we'd go over there and ro uh, we'd be robbing the bank from Robin Island. I know it turns out it's not as simple as that. For one thing, you have to bring it all over on a boat to somewhere. And when you get a boat to Robin Island and you get a boat back from Robin Island, the, the nearest port there is right in the city of Cape Town. So uh, you're going to be trying to sneak a load of bricks in through a big port there in Cape Town. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to see you. There's no hiding it then. Uh, well, at least I at least thought that would make it easier to... It would look less suspicious carrying a ton of bricks than carrying a load of bags of money. I suppose you could put the bricks in bags. And people would go, was that money? And you'd say, no, it's just bricks. And then where would that get you? I don't know. Being able to say that it's just bricks. I suppose, I suppose it's something to say if someone asks you if, if it's money. It's useful to have something that you can say in that situation that's, that's something other than, yes, this is money. These are bags of money that I'm taking with me on this boat. Because that would arouse suspicion. Uh, so no, that's that's what happened there. And the other fella says, so here, oh, I think your coke just arrived. Has your coke just arrived? I think it is. And the other fella says, I didn't order a coke. I ordered, a, I ordered that peanut thing, remember? 
And the first fella says, oh, that must be for me then. I wonder why the waiter is put in front of you and then put the peanut thing in front of me. And the other fella says, Jesus Christ, it's just a fucking diner. They don't memorise who ordered which thing. They bring them along to the table and you put them down in the middle and you take what's yours and I take what's mine. It's no big deal. It's not a fucking, it's not a fucking five-star Michelin restaurant. So it isn't. Um, that's another French thing for you. Add to your little script there. A Michelin restaurant has uh, been awarded stars by the tyre manufacturers. Oh, it's not great in getting stars from a fucking thing. Uh, I remember my father had a copy of the the AA handbook, the Automobile Association, and uh, had a oh, it was a green 19, 1966 hardback AA handbook. Uh, except he used it until nineteen eighty nine as his main map. As his main map book for driving around Ireland, had maps of the town centre of about, of about 10 shitty little towns, was perfectly fine. It uh, has a list of some AA approved restaurants around the country, but there was no Michelin stuff. The Michelin was for the posh people who went round looking for restaurants that had been awarded. Oh, I presume they'd be being, I don't know what happens. You go into a, a Michelin rewarded restaurant they'll say hello would you like a bit of meat with a blob of oh a blob of i don't know peas that we put through a blender and a potato and a dribble of sauce on the corner of the plate there i'll put that on the plate for you because that's what real french cuisine is it's not that fucking core pounder french thing it's uh, i was in a french restaurant once i was on a oh i was on a work outing uh they brought us very what the name of Christ was that? Uh, they bought us out when they work outing and they said, oh, this is a French restaurant. When we all pretended we were all went to French restaurants, our portions were absolutely fucking disgustingly tidy. You got a little blob of crap. Then you got a blob of other crap. And then you got a third blob of other crap. And that was about three hours after you left the place. Absolutely disgusting. Anyway, on with the show. Into your head. I'm Joanne O'Carroll, and when I'm not busy talking Irish at my big fancy job, I listen to Into Your Head from downstairs. He's very loud. Have a comment, question, or topic request? Email Neil anytime. Studio at intoyourhead.ie. Remember, we value the opinions of you, the humble and ignorant listener. you're thinking there you're thinking i think he's a bit confused about what reservoir dogs is is he i think he is well you might well be for my memory reservoir dogs is a film uh with five or six men in suits five or six men in suits going around committing crimes uh it's mostly them walking in and out of a warehouse and putting stuff in the car taking stuff out of the car and putting stuff into the car uh committing some murders in between uh, i'm aware i'm aware too that quentin Tar- tarantino is in it i can't remember whether he played a big part or a small part that's the thing was he just in it for a couple of minutes like he is in some things or was he in the whole thing i don't really care to be perfectly honest don't care couldn't give a flying fuck not that there's any not that that's not to say that i'm shitting on reservoir dogs as you young people that's what young people say if you say anything either mildly negative or neutral about anything they love they'll say you're shitting on that you're shitting on that if i say for example i might say uh your mother oh your mother was late for her bus yesterday they'll say you're shitting on my mother you absolute fucking cunt you're shitting all over her that's what they'll say uh, and then you have to defend yourself. You say, no, no, I was late for the bus too. In fact, I was the bus driver. So I was actually left early. Uh, so I suppose it's my fault, really. So I apologise. I misunderstood your mother's arriving perfectly on time as being her being late because I was the bus driver and I left early. And then they calm down a bit. And usually, usually you can, usually you can 
get things back on track then. Because otherwise you have to ask the problem with these young people. They're all on acid or caffeine or drugs. Uh, or they go around, oh, they go around getting these fizzy drinks loaded up with alcohol. And then they pour some cocaine into it. And then they suck her up to a, oh, they suck her up to a recyclable straw made of tissue. And you have to suck her up very fast because those straws only last a, a nanosecond. So they have to suck her up very fast. Uh, and then so that's why they're all going around high and caffeinated and drunk and everything else. So you have to you have to walk around them on tiptoes, these young people. If you criticize anything, they say, Stop shitting on everything. You're shitting on everything. You're shitting on everything. You said the the commercial break during the latest episode of uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys was a bit longer than I'd like. Uh, they'll say, stop shitting on the commercial breaks. That's the only thing that's reducing the amount of hell that we have to go through watching that tripe. Those commercial breaks are a, oh, they're a godsend. If you're halfway through watching an episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys, and a long commercial break comes on, because luckily you're watching it. Uh, she misses the Browns boys. It goes out on the BBC in Britain, and it goes out on RTE here. When it goes out on RTE here, they're able to put ad breaks in the middle of it. So you get you get a break. You get to... That's commercial ally is keeping half of this country sane from that fucking thing, that fucking programme, that god-awful fucking programme. And then, of course, they'll say, oh, you're shitting on commercial breaks again. Oh, no, wait, you're not. You're shitting on Mrs. Brown's boys. Oh, that's okay then, because Mrs. Brown's boys is a load of... Sorry, I thought you were shitting on the commercial break. You're not. You're not shit. And you never will. Never shit on commercial breaks. Those commercial breaks are the things that keep us... Oh, they're what, they're what keep this, well, basically they're what keep this, uh, oh, I don't know, keep the dream alive. Is that, is that, that's a song, isn't it? The something will never be over because we're keeping the dream alive. It's a very vaguely remembered bit of a song from the 1980s and to be perfectly honest, I can't remember what it was. Uh, let me see. There's something will never be over because we're keeping the dream alive. Something along those lines. I say it was the late 1980s. I think it was during the summer. Sounds a bit like a summer hit in my head. But that's all I remember about it. The other summer hit I remember was I run a comb through my hair as I'm moving inside. Da dung, da dung, da dung, 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 dung. Something, 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 something. Turn the radio up to that sweet sound. Something, something, never let me go. Keep that feeling inside and you're. There was a thudding bass sound in that song, which to me reminds me of it being a summer hit. But it's hard to reproduce it on a harmonica, especially when you don't know how to play one. Is there such a thing as a bass harmonica? There probably is. I should look into that, actually. There's a bass harmonica, I'm sure, somewhere. Uh, we'll look into it. Oh, no, that's that's what happens with that. But the kids go a fucking mental if you shit on anything. Which I suppose is reasonable. But if you went and shit on something in real life that they cared about, doing actual shit, they would say, oh, that's even worse. Because you can't please them. They go, that's even worse. You're, sh you're shitting on something in real life. Someone has to clean that up, you know. Someone has to come along with their mop and their bucket and clean that up. Of course, if someone's shot in a McDonald's, they'll tell you, don't clean that up. You're taking away someone's job. People need those jobs now because those are the only jobs the young people can get and we need them to pay for our houses that we can't afford. So don't be... Uh, I'm, when I'm in the McDonald's nowadays, I, I do everything myself by self-service, but I make sure to do it badly. Ah, uh, so, oh no, wait, I don't. That's nonsense. That's that's absolute nonsense and a lie. Why would I lie about something like that? Well, clearly I wouldn't, because uh, by instinct, within three seconds of myself saying it, I corrected myself, so, and very publicly. So no, I clearly wouldn't uh, lie about something like that. I don't know. Where's this going? 
Uh, well, this harmonica is going on the bed there until it's needed again. And uh, this bottle of Coke is going back there as well. And where is this... Oh, but well, we meant where is this conversation going? Well, it's not a conversation. It's not. It's a, it's a monologue. It's not con- there's no conversation here at all. This isn't a conversation. Don't, get, uh, don't be getting ideas above your station. Although you can converse with this programme by emailing it. I'll have someone announce the email address in due course. But no, that's the, that's the thing. That's the thing. So... Oh yes, Reservoir Dogs. Well, basically it's five men and they're walking. They're all walking around in circles. You can't tell from the film because it's a it's a low budget production, but they are in fact walking around in circles on a conveyor belt because every few minutes you see one of them going out to the car and then another of them going from the car back into the warehouse. But never the twain shall meet because they're, they're walking in a continuous circle. They're spaced about 10 feet apart and they're on, on a conveyor belt that runs from the warehouse out to the back of the car, then around the other side of the car, then out past the front of the car and then back into the warehouse, the back and they're just on that. You just put the actors on the on the conveyor belt, spaced out about ten feet apart, and they just have one camera watching the whole thing. And that's how most of it got, got done. It didn't have to do any, very much acting at all. Well, he did the dialogue, of course, because Quentin Tarantino, as we all know, he's a great man for the dialogue. He comes in and says, "Hello, can we have some dialogue here?" He says things like. Oh, he says, the man walks into the warehouse and then there's another man there and man number one says, hello. And man number two says, hello. And then man number one says, I've already said hello, so I'll say something else now, something clever or in it. Although not necessary, that's the thing. Quentin Tarantino realised it doesn't have to be clever. You can say some nonsense about, uh, you can say some nonsense about what they call French fries in France or something. You can say something about the Big Mac is called a quarter pounder in France. Uh, you can say it while driving a car, which may seem sophisticated, but it's not really because you're driving the car on autopilot. Yeah, even if it's a manual. I don't drive a car, but I can understand that if you're driving. People who drive cars often feel like they're doing it on autopilot, even when it's a manual. They're changing the gears on autopilot, going look up and down and over and down and up and down, because that's how you change gears on a car. Uh, you have this lever and it goes up and down and up and down. You want to go from three to one, for example. From my, what I understand it, you go up a bit, then left a bit, then left a bit more than up a bit. And then if you want to go from one to, to two, you go down a bit, then right a bit, then right a bit more, and then up a bit. Uh, something along those lines. Uh, but you have to hold a pedal down with your foot while you're changing that. If you're not holding a pedal down while you're moving the gear stick, the gear stick says, wait a minute, this fucker isn't holding down a pedal. I'm not going to acknowledge this. I'm going to just seize up or something. Is that what happens? I don't know. You have to be going, you have to be pressing something. I don't know, probably does something to the gas or something. Does something to the gas. It lets the gas out somewhere so the so the little leathery thing that's under the gear stick doesn't fill up with air or something and I don't know. But then you have a then you have an air thing. You have an air bubble thing that's built into your dashboard. That's supposed to be full of air if you ever have the misfortune for it to need a bit inflate. Uh, but the thing that's under the gear stick, at the base of the gear stick, that looks like a leather baggy thing. That's not normally full of air, even though it kind of looks like a thing. You know that thing that's at the base of the gear shaft in a car, in a manual car? It looks like, it looks like a baggy thing. It looks like a cow, but it's had all its flesh removed. So there's just bits of bone underneath. It should inflate that with a bit of air or foam or something just to make it look more aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it's no wonder children go around looking at that and they'll think, oh, let's all just never eat again. This is what we have to look like to be a, to look attractive. We have to have a fucking leather thing at the bottom of a gear shaft that's completely empty, just have bits of metal underneath somewhere if you look for them, where apart from that, just empty and baggy. That's fucking ridiculous. People need to think about when you design stuff, what, what effect that has on their children. Uh, that's really... That's why you just, that's why you just, 
And I don't know if an automatic is money better than that. I've never owned an automatic car or any car. Although I suppose you could say I own the family car that my wife drives, I suppose. But no, I've never, I've never had a car that's automatic. They all, they all have to be driven to some more extent than to the... You know what I mean. Oh, so I suppose that's that. Is that that? Probably is. That's probably that. Will we end the segment? I think we'll end the segment and then see what happens. <coughs> Two cats walk into a French restaurant. One of the cats goes straight up to the... Oh, straight up to wherever you go, wherever you go in the French restaurant. Uh, where do you go in the French French restaurant? You probably go up to the maitre d's desk. Is this the desk of the maitre d's? And they'll say, uh, yes, sir, I'm the maitre d'. Although I don't really have a desk. This is just where I stand. There's a little kind of shelf here, kind of cubby hole where I keep my little book and anything else I need. But it's not really a desk. You don't want a desk. A desk is a bit much in, a, in the middle of a restaurant entrance or whatever you call it. A desk is just... Our restaurants are more like those shops where you go into to buy your phone. But there's just... There's four phones on display along the wall on each side of the shop and there's nothing else. There's no... Oh, it's like one of those modern boutiques where they have three sets of clothes and nothing else because they think empty space is what, how you sell things. You sell things by having empty space with nothing in them so people just come in and stare at the four items that you do have we have no maitre d's desk just a maitre d and in fact there's no maitre d there in person because i don't want to be a distraction so i'm just coming to you by voice over the intercom if you wouldn't mind picking up that pair of headphones there that's hanging on the wall you can continue this because i don't want to continue over the speakers it disturbs everyone else pick a headset off the wall and then you, you gingerly put it on your head and you say hello and you hear the maitre d's voice saying oh that's better now i'm disembodied now so i'm less clutter the last thing i want in our restaurant our boutique restaurant is clutter so i can leave my body behind now in the little cubby hole in the corner where there's no desk i can just bring the headset with you now, if you wouldn't mind heading over to that little table over there, uh, that's your table there. You can sit down there now, and I'll send a waiter along any minute now, but you can keep the headset on to keep you company. It won't annoy anybody, because it's on the headset now. Uh, just turn it down a little bit, because it's causing a bit of feedback on other people's headphones, because you have it up so loud. There you go, that's better now. I'll send away her along any minute. So, so anything else I can do for you today, sir? And you will say, what in the name, what in the name of Christ is going on here? Not least because you're not in the story. This was supposed to be a story about two cats, if I remember rightly. So the cats, one of the cats goes, what in the name of Christ is going on here? And the maitre d' says, Oh, sir, you forgot you probably can't hear me because your your cute little ears are on the top of your head and those headphones are designed to sit on the side of your head. So you've probably no idea what's going on here. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm an idiot. I didn't even know what's to hear a cat. For fuck's sake. I'm so I'm so obsessed with being disembodied and not taking up any space and being uncluttered that I don't even know what your personage form is. And your personage form is in this case a cat whose ears are on top of its head and not the side. Uh, if you hang on a minute, sir, I'll get I'll get the I'll get the other earphones. They come in the form of a cute little beret that sits on top of your head. And they're not really earphones, it's more of a speaker that's built into the beret. But it's quiet enough for our needs. And the cat goes, what in the name of Christ is going on here? And the maitre d' says, oh, you didn't hear any of that, did you? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. You can't even hear me apologising. So there's no point even me continuing with this until I put the, the beret speaker thing on your head. Yeah, I'm probably going to get fired for this, am I? I'm probably going to get fired. I'm certainly not getting a tip, I can tell you that. Although you tip the maitre d'. Uh, what the hell is a maitre d' anywhere? 
I don't know. I don't even know what her maitre d' is. I was just talking about a French restaurant and the, the term popped into my head, maitre d'. That's certainly not the waitress. Is, a, is that the person? Is the maitre d' the person who greets you at the door and sits you down? I don't know. Or is it like the person in the hotel who tells you where to go for to get the bus tour to the zoo or something? I don't know. No idea what a maitre d' is. And you still can't hear me. I know, I know. You still can't hear me. You've no idea what's going on. But you're a cat anyway. You're not part of our human world. You normally don't have an idea, idea what's going on in our world anyway. In a normal situation here, the nearest the cat would get to this restaurant would be to go around to the back door and beg at the back of the restaurant for a bit of a bit of out-of-date fish that was being thrown out into the bin. And we'd say, no, you may not have this bit of fish. We're not allowed. It's health and safety. We're not allowed to give to beggars and cats. We have to throw this in the bin. Because uh, it's an out-of-date fish. That fish, that fish is over, that fish is well past its prime. Like that, you know that, what's that movie? The... I think it's Logan's Run. There's a movie. It's a black and white science fiction movie about a future in which there's a city and everybody in the city gets to live happily until they're 30. And then on your 30th birthday, the government comes around and brings you to a ceremony where they end your life. And you're supposed to be very, you're supposed to be thrilled about it because it must be a great privilege. Well, that's what it's like being a fish in a restaurant. You get to live till you're 30, and then it's a great privilege to be put on the plate in the restaurant if you happen to be the four out of ten fish who make it to the plate. Because half the time, nobody orders the fucking fish anyway. So it all ends up going in the bin. Nobody orders fish. Who in their right mind orders fish on a night out that they're trying to enjoy? They do not. Nobody orders fish. It's fucking ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous food stuff known to man. I can tell you, if I was the owner of this restaurant, the last thing I'd be doing was selling fish or trying to sell fish or putting fish on the menu or buying fish. It all just ends up in the bin. It's fucking ridiculous. That's what it is. Oh, you still can't hear me. I know, I know. Okay, I'll go and get the cute little beret. Uh, what hat size do you wear, sir? And the cat says, are you talking to me? And the maitre d' says, uh, I beg your pardon, what did you say, sir? And the cat says, are you talking to me, madam? And the maitre d' says, oh yes, I am talking to you, sir. And the cat says, well, please desist. Is that the word, desist? Desist, desist. It's not cease and desist. Yes, it is, yes, desist, yes. Please desist. Because otherwise I'm going to send you a letter from my owner, a formal letter saying cease and desist. Uh, but it would be easier if you just please desist now. And the maitre d' says, certainly, sir, I'll desist now. Wait, can you hear me now? How come you can hear me now? And the cat says, because I'm listening to you through the air. You're talking. You're not actually disembodied. I don't need to be wearing the earphones to hear you, you fucking moron. And your maitre d' says, are you sure about that? Because I thought the whole thing with the headphones was that I would leave my corporeal form back at my maitre d' desk over there at the entrance, at my non-desk little cubby hole in the corner. And then you just bring me on the headphones. And the cat says, yes, but I can fucking hear you. I can, you talk at a frequency that only cats can hear and I can hear you even if you're not standing here. I can hear you through the air from over there. And the maitre d' says, oh Christ, what fresh hell is this, as they say. Ho, 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 that's what they say. They say, that's what the young people say. They say, what fresh hell is this? And the cat says, go and get me some fresh chicken, please, instead. I don't want fresh hell, I want fresh chicken. Chicken on the plate. There's a song that I think sums up what I want here. Uh, now, the song is about jelly, so I don't want jelly, so please... When you hear the words jelly, just replace it with fresh chicken in your mind. So you go, jelly on the plate, jelly on the plate, wibbly wobbly wibbly wobbly jelly on the plate. Now, uh, don't make the chicken wibbly wobbly either, because that probably means it's undercooked. Uh, so no, where you hear wibbly wobbly jelly on the plate, just replace that with fit chicken in your mind. And have it brought to me on the plate, please. And the maitre d' says, Certainly, sir. And a great night has had by all. Once upon a time there was a dog. 
A dog. A dog. Now, uh, while I while I never tire of doing that, I do tire of feeling the need to explain why I do that every time. Every time I do it, in case there are new listeners wondering what in the name of Christ I'm doing, I discovered many years ago when I got my first reasonably good quality podcasting microphone and big ear for ear headset I discovered when I was listening to the raw the raw audio as it came into my ears while I was recording that I happened to like the way it sounded when I went dog Uh, The way that sounds in my headphone. It may well not sound as impressive to you in the MP3 file after it's being processed, but it has to be processed so that it can be crammed down an internet tube and into your device. It may or may not sound as impressive. It may sound exactly the same as it sounds to me, but it may just not impress you. Maybe we have different tastes. Maybe you, the listener, and I, the performer, have different tastes. Anything's possible, I suppose. No, that's why I do the once upon a time there was a dog thing. And of course the once upon a time part is self-explanatory. That's just starting a story. Why I regularly do once upon a time there was a dog. It's the same reason I regularly do two cats walk into a bar or you join me at a tremendously exciting moment. Just a way of getting going without knowing where it's going to go. So don't don't worry about that. Uh, anyway, that's explained now for another week. Ah, uh, so we can set that off the list now. Ex- explain the dog thing. It's on the on the checklist every week for this program. We take off. Let's set the checklist here. You check off. Explain the dog thing. Uh, re- remember to record yourself saying anyway. Good morning. So you can slip that in at the end, wherever you're going to be finished. Because I never know I'm going to be finished until I'm finished. And by then it's always too late to go. Anyway, good morning. Uh, Sometimes I don't even use it. Sometimes I don't even bother to use the anyway, good morning thing. But when I do want to use it, it's not there. And it does. It feels dishonest going taking it from a previous week's recording session. As I could if I wanted to. If I wanted to, I could go into the previous week's recording session and find in there where I went. Anyway, good morning. And take that and clip it onto the end of today's show. But I don't do that because that's, that's inauthentic. I do not want to be inauthentic on this programme. There'll be no inauthenticity around here. Everything's going to be the raw, the real raw thing, blood and guts and all, gore and blood and guts and all, the whole raw thing. Uh, So, (laughs) if you can't be straight with your audience like that, then just why why bother? Why bother? I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. Uh, These are ordinary, these are just ordinary human beings listening to this thing. They want to be treated as ordinary human beings the same way you would anyone in the me. He went out into a street. And you met you met so well you met one of your neighbours and you talked to them for uh, fifty minutes just like just like I'm talking to you here today, and then at the end they took out their phone and they got out an MP3 on their phone that they recorded the previous week and played it and it was just a recording of them going. Anyway, see you next time. Anyway, see you next time. Anyway, see you next time. Anyway, see you again. Anyway, good morning. Uh, and then you took his place, stop, and then he just turned away and walked away. That wouldn't be considered a normal way to interact with someone. Even if you'd been talking normally for 50 minutes to them, like I'm doing here. If he ended with a recording that he just stuck in from last week of the ending the conversation. No, you don't do that to people. No. So you don't you wouldn't do that to someone you met in the street who you knew or respected or felt you had to pretend you respect it so i'm not going to do that to you the listener i'm going to end the show with me going anyway good morning it's at least going to be an anyway good morning that i have recorded at some point within the two hour recording session for this episode it's not going to be from some previous episode it's not going to be some canned good morning thing that i did the most that's ever going to be canned for is about an hour so when i'm about two segments in 
I sometimes stop and go, anyway, good morning, and then save that, put that away for the end. Because at least I know that's from this that's from this session. It's genuine. It's intended for this episode. It's not recorded on some other day where I happen to feel like saying good morning. And I said that just in case I don't feel like saying good morning today. No, because that's inauthentic. It's authentic if I mean to say good morning at the end of today's episode, so I say it now and record it. That's because it's meant. It's honest and it's meant that way. Uh, so no, we won't be doing that. I'll be knowing that crap on this podcast. Other podcasts, you know, they come along and they have a oh, they have a canned beginning and a canned ending. They'll record, they'll spend an hour recording talking to some fella about something uh, I don't know what they'll be talking about. So some fella about drugs or space or stand-up comedy uh, or the American presidential election or some other crap. And then they'll record that and then two weeks later they'll dig out that tape and then they'll put a thing at the beginning saying hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, coming up today we're going to be talking to some fella. And uh, you know damn well they're not going to be coming up talking to that fella today. They've already talked to that fella several weeks prior. They're lying, they're, cre- they're creating a fiction where they say oh I'm coming up, it's coming up, we're going to be talking to this fella. Oh I wonder what he's going to say. I don't even know what I'm going to ask. Mark Marin did that crap once. He came on one day and he says, Coming up today, uh, what's his name? Oh, Barack Obama is going to come to my house. Uh, and he said, and then he had Barack Obama in his house. And then the next episode, at least he came clean and says, Oh, I wasn't expecting that at all. Barack Obama came to my house. Uh, well, he was expecting it, but you know what I mean. Oh, I've made that point badly. I go to clip that out. I don't want to be mean to Mark Marin because that's uh, that would be. Good.